The following audio is from Central Christian Church, located in Portales, New Mexico. To connect with Central, go to centralwired.org. Let us worship our King.
morning, church. Uh, I'm going to start with a joke. Uh, what do you call a book club that's been stuck on the same book for a long time? A church. Yeah, that's us. All right. Um, all right. So I, I was having a conversation uh, with a fellow teacher um, who's a believer, and I was we were asking questions back and forth. And I asked him. I said, "Do you ever wonder?" about standing before God and like what is he going to think like are we going to be good enough and and he you know kind of comforted he's about the same age as I am and he said not even close and you know like I kind of took comfort in that and Romans 310 you know says no one's good enough not even one and not Abraham, not Moses, not David, not Peter, not Paul. Only Jesus was good enough. And uh, and so I've got Romans three twenty two through twenty six here. It says, "The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus." whom God put forward as the propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So I had to kind of break that down um, as I was reading through that. There's three parts of that. Justified, which means made right. Redeemed, which is exchanging payment. And then propitiation, which is atonement or sacrifice. And so I kind of broke those down a little bit even further. Justification. In Deuteronomy 25.1, there is uh, this part where basically there's a the judge, um, if there's two men, they would come before and the judge would decide, like, if they had a quarrel or, or disagreement, the judge would decide who was in the wrong, and then that person who was wrong uh, would get the punishment. And they would, like, however bad the punishment, or however bad the wrong was, they would get the punishment up to 40 lashes. And um, so uh, if, you know, we were in the wrong, and Jesus took our wrongs, and he took the punishment. And then redemption, in Isaiah 44:22, it says, I have swept away your offenses like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. So we need to return to him. And that doesn't mean that we get to keep on sinning. Romans 6:2 says, by no means should we keep on sinning. And then propitiation. It says, in Isaiah 15, 10 through 12, you know, we've, we've kind of heard that, heard through that, or gone through that before, sorry, but he sent Jesus, um, I, the prophet Isaiah is kind of painting this picture of a prophecy of God sending this perfect sacrifice, uh, and he would be broken 
and, and crushed for our sins and that it was going to be pleasing for him because he was going to win the world back through this and that this was going to be his son and that it would be pleasing to him but by no means that he want to do this but he was going to win the world back and this is how he wanted the world from the beginning he wanted to be with his children and he wanted to be with us and so this this time of communion we get to to remember that like through all of this like sending his son to be this perfect sacrifice to justify to make right what we've done to redeem us to exchange payment and to provide that perfect sacrifice all we have to do is believe that he's done this for us to come back to him it's really that simple and so I just want to encourage you to to kind of reflect on this, and so uh, just keep it simple and uh, and remember this. Would you pray with me, Heavenly Father? I thank you so much for keeping uh, for sending your Son uh, and keeping it simple, Lord, that we are justified, redeemed, and that you've sent uh, the perfect sacrifice, Lord, that we couldn't do it on our own, by no means. Uh, are we ever good enough? But you made us right, and that's all you ever wanted. We love you, we praise you, and we worship you today. In Jesus' name, amen.
Misquotes are something that have happened for generations. This is one of my favorites that is on the Internet. Uh, things get said and attributed to people that they didn't really get, uh, that they didn't actually say. If you hear this phrase, I cannot tell a lie, I did not cut down the cherry tree. You think of George Washington, right? Actually, George Washington didn't say that. Uh, it was added into a biography of him later on by a guy named Mason Locke Weems, who was a preacher. I find that ironic that he lied in the biography, but anyway, uh, we move on. Uh, you heard the phrase, well-behaved women rarely make history. Okay, uh, Frequently it is attributed to either Marilyn Monroe or Mae West or Eleanor uh, Roosevelt. I almost said Eleanor Rigby there, sorry. Uh, um, I guess the Beatles channel has been on. Um, actually, it was not say, stated by any of them. It, they found it in an article by a lady named Laurel Ulrich. She was a biographer that coined the phrase in the 1970s. Pre-internet, so there was no way to check things. And so when the internet some, comes out, start putting things on there. Well, that sounds like a Mae West thing or a Marilyn Monroe. She'd say that. That sounds easy. Or one I've even used. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And it, it was attributed to Albert Einstein. Problem. There's no record of Einstein ever saying it. But what is funny is people that it has been attributed to. There was a long list. People including Benjamin Franklin, Alcohol, Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, Samuel Beckett, George Bernard Shaw, and dozens of other people are, are attributed to this statement. Now, usually, little harm comes from being misstated or misattributed, you know, wrongly attributed. It's not that big a deal if Marilyn Monroe said it or Eleanor Roosevelt said it. It's not that big of a deal. But lots of things get attributed to Jesus he didn't say. A lot of things get uh, accustomed and attached to God's Word that God didn't say. And I want us to spend a few weeks talking about it. Now, by way of review, we started this year talking about being people of the Word. That's what we want our goal to be. And everything this year is going to be reminding us of how important God's Word is. We talked about the authenticity of Scripture. And, and then we went into a series of, of He Said What? And it had a logo that looked kind of like that. And it was the tough sayings of Jesus. Now we're coming back with a similar logo and saying... But he didn't say these things, and we're going to look at some things that have been said. Now, the last few weeks we've been in the Tabernacle series looking at how the Old Testament ties to the New Testament and how Scripture works and speaks to us all. But I want to look at what Jesus did not say. So let's have a pretest, a pop quiz. No, go back, go back, go back, put it back. All right. Everybody take out your piece of paper, put your books away. You know, this is always our favorite. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to have three questions come up on the screen, and I want you to answer by way of hand raising. Yes, this is audience participation, okay? First service struggled with this. They were just like, we don't raise our hands in church. Yes, you do. Okay, it's all right uh, on this particular one. There's going to be three statements up here, and you tell me by show of hands, which of these Jesus did not say? All right, now let's go to this first one. Number one, let the dead bury their own dead. Number two, accept me as your personal Lord and Savior to inherit eternal life. Number three, anyone who says 
you fool will be in danger of the fires of hell. All right, lock in your answers. This is just like you're playing at home, okay? How many of you think Jesus did not say number one? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you think Jesus did not say number two? Okay, a few more hands on that one. How many of you think Jesus did not say number three? All of you threes, you got it wrong. Uh, you're way off. No, the third one, the you fool one is in Matthew chapter 5. How many of you said number one? That one actually is in Luke chapter 9 and verse 60. But that middle one, except you his, your, as your personal Lord and Savior, you're not going to find that in Scripture. But it sounds very churchy, doesn't it? Sounds like something that has been said in church. Let's go to the next slide and see if we can do better on this level. Okay, here we go. Three statements. Which of these did Jesus not say? They did not practice what they preach. Be as shrewd as snakes, innocent as doves. I'm so disappointed in you. Think for a second. Lock in your answers. And here we go. How many of you say Jesus did not say number one? Okay. How many of you said Jesus did not say number two? How many of you say Jesus did not say number three? You are correct. All right. Jesus did not say that. The first two he did say. The uh, practice what they preach is in Matthew 23. Shrewd as sakes is in Matthew chapter 10. All right. You're doing good. Give yourself a round of applause. Moving on to round three. All right. Let's go to round three. Which of these did Jesus not say? Number one, everything works out for those that follow me. Number two, God will not give you more than you can handle. Number three, there's a purpose for everything. You ready? How many of the how many of you think Jesus did not say number one? Ooh, a lot of hands. How many of you said Jesus did not say number two? How many of you think Jesus did not say number three? Here's the catch. He didn't say any of those. <laughs> all right. Those of you that had your hand up the whole time, you did good, all right? But but look what just happened. It sounds churchy, doesn't it? And look at that middle one. God will not give you more than you can handle. We've heard stuff like that. Now, but Scripture doesn't say that. It says God will not allow you to be tempted more than you can, and he will allow a way of escape. But sometimes we twist that. Or, or there's a purpose for everything. That comes from the church of Hobby Lobby, okay? It's a cute little saying, goes in a little wall. Paul, you know, up on the wall, which is really, really great. It's just not biblical. <laughs> okay? Everything works out for those that follow me. It sounds a little like all things work together for them that love the Lord, but it doesn't say it that way. Okay, so what, Don? So we miss a few things. Is it really a big deal? Look, what we're looking for this year is we're talking about people of the Word. We need to be literate about God's Word. Not spout off things that sound Jesus-y or churchy that we saw on Facebook or Instagram, okay? And we start sharing things that may or may not be true. In the coming weeks, I want you to join me, and I want to unmask some myths, some things that are maybe common thoughts about our relationship with God that that we've heard. And I want to expose a lot of things that we think Jesus might have said. This sounds like something Jesus would have said. And I want to replace those thoughts of condemnation and thoughts of negativity with, with a confident trust so that we can be emboldened to speak to people about the Word of God. 
Is that fair? I want us to be Bible literate so we can speak boldly about God's Word. And here's why. She sat on the couch with tears streaming down her face. Her name is Amanda, sweet, sweet girl, texted me and said, Hey, can we talk? I really, I need to talk. And just love her to death and still love her to death. And it was just a, uh, I always love visiting with her. She, names have been changed to protect the innocent and guilty. And so she texts me and says, Hey, can I get together? So she comes in and she sits down on my couch. Amanda grew up and uh, did really good, graduated high school, finished, you know, went to college, finished, got a good job, was living out on her own. Things were going well. She met a guy. Things were clipping along and everything was going well. And then she wound up pregnant. And she didn't know what to do. And she saw no way out. She made a choice that some would not like. A choice that, that is hard for a lot of us to understand. Not out of convenience, but out of, that's the only way she saw. She comes into my office and just cries for the first like five minutes. Hardly could even speak, tears running down her face. The guilt was killing her. And the, finally, when she composed herself enough to talk, she looked at me and she said, Am I going to hell? She's not the only one. A lot of people have thought that. We've, I've blown it. I've made too big of a mistake. I cannot come back. There's no way I can come back. You know what, what's really ironic to me? For a group of people supposedly saved by, Christ, saved by grace, secure in Christ, and loved unconditionally, we carry a lot of guilt and baggage, yeah? Oh, yeah, we do. We got a lot of negative negativity and a lot of baggage in there. And I want us to know what Jesus did say about that and what he didn't. So join me in Luke chapter 7 is where we're going to be. You heard Franklin play a little bit of Alabaster Jar. We're going to be looking at that story. And it's one we've looked at many times. You have, I'm sure. But Luke chapter 7, and I want you to listen to it, not just go, oh, I know this story. Really listen to it. If you're online, you're on the radio, thanks for tuning in to Central Christian Church in Portales. We're asking this question, is anyone too far gone? John chapter 7, verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him, so Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there when a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there she brought a beautiful alabaster jar with expensive perfume then she knelt behind him at his feet weeping her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them with her hair then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. And Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to, Pharisee, to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two different people. 
500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash my feet. She's washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she's not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she's anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but a person who has forgiven little only shows little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, Who is this man that goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. That starts out with a certain immoral woman lived a sinful life. Now, folks, that is churched up, G-rated. This woman is a prostitute. This woman is bad news. She has lived a bad life. She has made money selling her body. She knows exactly who she is. She's an outsider. She's worthless. She's broken. We don't have a clue how she got into this line of work. Maybe that was her only option. Maybe everybody died and she didn't have any other methodology because they just didn't have any resources at that time. Well, why then this response? Why this perfume? Obviously, she made money in this line of work. She obviously had enough to buy something very special. Maybe she kept this perfume around to drown out the stench of the men on her. And maybe she figured out over time there was not enough to wash away the stench of our sin. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And it's always fascinated me that in this particular case, blood cleans. Every other t- place, blood messes up the shirt. I mean, it's just, I throw it away. I've washed and I've bleached, and, but it, it's pretty messed up. And in this particular blood, it washes it clean. And her response is how we should respond. She's overwhelmed. She's aware of how much she has blown it. And she's stunned by his presence. But can I tell you, I'm afraid too often we're the guy in verse 39. In verse 39, he starts spouting off, well, if this Jesus was something special, he'd know who's touching her because she's she's bad news. If he knew what was going on, he'd know who she was. And he immediately, the Pharisee puts us in an us and them situation. Us versus them. We're an us, they're a them. And I wonder... Have we lost our burden for the lost? Because too many times we are us and them. Well, if them, if they'd get their life straight and come to church, you hear what I'm saying? Sometimes we we put it into that divisive us versus them. I've often shared the further, I, I think the further we get from our conversion, the easier it is to slip into the 
judgment seat rather than the mercy seat. Remember, we talked about the mercy seat a couple of weeks ago. It's very easy to slip back into the judgment seat, especially if I or you have come out of a difficult situation. Because we look at it and go, well, I made it. How come they can't? I quit alcohol. How come they can't? I, I changed my life. I had an abusive situation, and I got out of it. We look at people, and we don't understand their situation. Have we lost our compassion for the lost? Because we've forgotten we were lost. And notice what Jesus didn't say. Jesus didn't say, well, oops, she's pretty bad. She's, she's blown it bad. He didn't say, these good people are worth saving, and this girl, if she'll get her life straightened out, after that, then she'd be worth saving. He didn't even, he didn't even say, she is too far gone. Because Jesus didn't see the sin. He saw the person. Now, a lot of us were raised on this phrase, uh, love the sinner, hate the sin. How many of you heard that phrase? Okay, but it's hard to do, isn't it? Because we, we equate those two. Oh, but you've made that choice, and we point fingers. And he didn't. He didn't see the woman with the bad reputation. He doesn't see a murderer or a liar or an addict or a gossip or a lazy person or a sinful woman. He sees people that need grace. He's a doctor. He comes to heal sick people, not well people. Friends, you are never too lost for God to find you. You're never too lost for God to want you. And if you're just strolling in here, if you're just tuning in, I want you to hear that. You don't have to hear anything else. My God wants you, and He loves you. And He's never stopped loving you. Now, if you go on in the NLT, I love how it reads in the New Living Translation, in verse 40, in verse 40 it says, Jesus answered his thoughts. <laughs> he didn't answer his question. He asked, answered his thoughts. Has he ever done that to you? You're driving down the road and song comes on the radio and you're like, man, that, that was really speaking to me. Or, or some post comes across Instagram or somebody texts you something. You're like, wow, man, that's exactly where I am. You ever been there? Could that be the Holy Spirit working through social media? Could it be the Holy Spirit working through the radio? I firmly believe that. And I firmly believe that maybe you're sitting here. And maybe you don't even know why you're here today. But if you think you've blown it too bad, listen. My Jesus still loves you. And if you think they have blown it too bad, listen real close. My Jesus loves them, too. He tells this story, uh, this parable. It's hyperbole. It's, a, it's kind of a crazy story to, re, to make a ridiculous point. When you know how much you owe and it's washed away, you're blown away. You're blown away because you know I could not pay that back. She is overwhelmed by her past mistakes by her baggage. Why she came to this party is anybody's guess. I feel confident she didn't get invited. <laughs> I, I, I suspect since everybody knew her, she wasn't invited. She just showed up. And Simon wanted to write her out of the story because she was one of them. Question. Don't answer this out loud, but think in your head. Who is them to you? Who is, who is them? Is it a, 
a type of sin? Is it a skin color? Is it a people of a different background? What if this story played out today? What if it happened in our current time? I think a prostitute would still be a powerful image in a big city. Okay, but what if it was a small town like us? What would it, what would it, what would really hit us hard? What if it was a, what if it was a meth addict? What if it was a single mom who messed up her life with alcohol? What if it was somebody that was gay? What if it was somebody who had been a terrorist, worked with ISIS? You know what I'm saying? But you say, but Don, what if they're wrong? What if they're in the wrong? Listen to me close. Then they are wrong. But God loves them because God loves us. Do you hear that? That's a good one right there. God loves them because God loves us. We need to make them into an us. Not a clone of you and me. We need to make them a child of God. We need to bring them to Jesus. Don't bring them to, hey, you've got to get to our church and do it the way we do it. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying God loves everyone that has made mistakes, even if they've had an abortion. Even if they've had questions about their gender. Even if they have been messed up with alcohol and can't break it. Even if they've been a child abuser. We look at this and go, but, but, but. We, we try to make a them. We need to make them into us and make all of us children of God. Amen? Bring them to church and bring them to Jesus. And I believe this is powerful because of this statement. Jesus made friend, uh, made followers because Jesus made friends. I, I've always loved that phrase. Jesus made followers because he made friends. Now, he didn't approve of everything. He did not approve of all the things that Zacchaeus was doing when he went to Zacchaeus' house. He did not approve of all the things the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery, thrown at his feet. Well, where are your accusers? Well, I'm not going to accuse you. Go and don't be that person anymore. He, he didn't approve of it. He just showed them friendship right where they were. I wonder, I wonder if the church could learn a big lesson there. I want you to look back and I want you to focus on how Jesus dealt with her and how he didn't deal with her. In verse 48, Jesus says to the woman, your sins are forgiven. And then in verse 50, he says, your faith has saved you. You notice what he didn't say? He didn't berate her for her past. He didn't give her dirty looks. He didn't say, well, as soon as you get, hey, man, I really appreciate you doing this, but you need to get on down to church and get in serving and working kids on. We need, you know, you need to get straightened out, and then you'll be okay. He never put any, he never put any parameters on it. He just said, your faith has saved you. He didn't beat her up with Scripture. He met her right there. And we should, too. I'm afraid too many times we stand off and we miss an opportunity to make connection because you're sitting there saying, but Don, what if they're in the wrong? Then guess what? They are wrong and God loves them because God loves us. We've got to get that through our head. 
to turn us, turn thems into us and turn us into children of God because God's house and God's heart are big enough for everybody. He doesn't like sin, but He loves people. Jesus tell, tells Simon a story to prove a point. Who loved more? Who loved more is the question of the story. The one that had a bunch forgiven or a bunch of little. And, and we know the answer. It was very clear. The one that recognized how big the debt it was. The one that recognized forgiveness. Friends, if, if we want to see more of Christ in this community, if we want to see more of Christ in us, We've got to develop an attitude. We've got to develop a, a cultivate an awareness of how much we are forgiven. How, how bad we are and how good He is. My sins, they are many. His mercy is more. And I love the fact that Jesus really answers Simon's question. You know the one that was in his head? He said, well, if... If he really knew, if he was a prophet, if he was something special, he'd know that woman is a sinner. And what, what did Jesus say to him? He said, and this woman, her sins, and they are many. <laughs> he answered the question. He knew. It. He said, they're gone. Because she showed love. Why? We, we don't really know why she showed up at that party uninvited. I got a hunch. I got a hunch she was drawn to Jesus. Is that a fair statement? I mean, she probably heard the story. She'd probably seen him preaching around or heard all this stuff. Man, i got to go meet this guy. She was drawn to Jesus, which leads me to another question. Are people drawn here to Central because they feel love and forgiveness? Don't answer out loud. I want you to, I want you to look real close at this picture. This picture, maybe some of you are in it, maybe some of you are here. It was in February of this year, but you need to hear the back story. It was in second service. And that particular day, a, a man came in, and we were doing praise team stuff up here, and we were getting set up, and, and he was obviously upset and, and out of situation. And he, he met me at the back, or I went back there. I was like, hey, how are you doing? Welcome. And shook his hand, and he said, Pastor, can you pray for me? Can you get people and pray over me? I've got a problem with alcohol, and I'm, I'm really in bad shape. I said, absolutely. He said, I said, well, stick around afterwards and we'll get all the leaders. Yeah, we'll get some people to pray over you. So we went through the worship. We went through, and he sat in there. It's about the middle of the way down there. And, and he sat there, and, and, uh, and then it came time for the invitation song. And, and so he made his way down the front. I met him down here, and we prayed, and Franklin kept playing. And, and we finished up, and I told everybody, sit down. And, and I didn't script this. I didn't script this picture or anything. It was just... It was a really powerful moment. And I said, hey, Ben, if, you could, if you're dealing with struggle, could you come and help pray for this person? And I looked up, and that's what we had. I mean, was a, there was a big old crowd of people right up here, and a bunch of them in the back still, still just lifting out. I, there's too, much, too many people up there. I can't get up there, so I'm just going to pray from back here. It was a powerful image. But look real close at the picture. Don't look at me. Look real close at the picture. Can you see the sinner in that picture? Well, you can start with the big, tall, bald one in the back, okay? You might move over there. There's some shiny heads aglow in there. You know what you see there? Everyone in that picture is a sinner. Everyone in that picture is saved by the grace of God. 
You can't see the person because it's wrapped in all of us. And I put that verse up there specifically. Paul was telling the Thessalonians, man, you're doing great. Keep doing that. Build each other up just as you are doing. I want to say thank you for being aware of your sins and for building each other up. Because that's what a body of Christ needs to do. I want us to do that and continue to do that so that people are drawn here and they feel love and forgiveness. Do we get that God isn't asking us to impress Him with our Bible study or with our memorization or with our posts? I love it when you post stuff on Facebook or Instagram. I love it when you post verses. I am not opposed to that. But do we think we impress God with how many times we read the Bible or how many times we've gone to church? I'm really kind of overwhelmed with that. I don't think He's asking us to impress Him. He's, he, he's asking me to be with Him, to abide with Him, to sit with Him so He can impress me with His love. To remind me of how far gone I was and how great a God He is. I bet there's not a one of us in here who couldn't say that, make that statement. Friends, if you have blown it, you're not too far gone. If you have made a mistake, Jesus never said, you're worthless. You're out. You're not too far gone. He never said that to anyone. Now you might be sitting there right now going, man, I wish so-and-so was hearing this. That's really what they need to hear. Why don't you go tell them? Why don't you go tell them what Jesus has done for you? Well, but Don, but Don, you know, no, no, buts, just tell them. You're not too far gone. Jesus never said that. Our God is so great. Our sins are many. His mercy is more. Our God is so great. If He never did another thing for me, it's all I'll ever need is His love. Would you pray with me as we move forward? God, may our righteousness, may our good things, real, may we realize they're nothing without You, without Your blood. You are so good to us. You are our servant Savior. And we are all like this woman with the alabaster jar. We need your mercy and your forgiveness. So for anyone in this room, anyone watching online that is broken and hears the enemy whispering, you've blown it too bad, you've messed up too far, speak so loud that there is no possible way they can hear anything but your love. And Father, embolden us to speak your words of love. You are not too far gone because... God loves us. May we bring others to you. Through Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Central Christian Church in Portales, New Mexico. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To connect with us, visit our website at centralwired.org.